Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, your host, and today's conversation is a good one. First and foremost, today's guest, Beatrice Dixon, is the founder of The Honeypot Company, and she's created a company and a community of never-ending support for women all over the world. So you can already see why I adore her already. The product that her company makes are products that we all, well, most of us need and use on a regular basis because they're for women. The Honeypot Company is the first complete feminine care system powered by herbs. And I can't wait for you to hear her story, how she got started and how she essentially grew an empire. If this conversation today inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Please tag me. You know, I will come and say hi. You can also leave us a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of these conversations that we have here are so amazing and so important, and it's important that people hear them. When you do little things like writing a review or leaving a rating or sharing the episode, it really helps us to get discovered, and it helps us to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here with all of these amazing guests, and it also helps our community grow. But most important, it helps our mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. I know you have choices when it comes to podcasts. So when Beatrice Dixon was younger, she suffered with a bacterial vaginosis for eight months. And one night, this is the craziest story when you hear her tell it, an ancestor gave her the ingredients to heal herself in a dream. And you are literally going to be floored when you hear her tell this story. From that insightful dream, she created a formula for a healthy, clean feminine wash. And in 2014, Dixon launched the Honeypot Company, a plant-derived feminine hygiene line created with a goal to provide humans with vaginas a healthy alternative to feminine care that is made with powerful effective ingredients that are kind and safe for the skin. The rest is history. Please come on in and meet the amazing Beatrice Dixon. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am so excited about today's guest because she has built an empire and it's insane what she has done. And it's all centered around something we all need and all use, and that's feminine care. And it's really amazing what she has built. And I'm so excited for Beatrice Dixon, who is the founder of the Honeypot Company to share her story with us. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, Lindsay. I'm so grateful that you've graced me with your presence and given me the time. I know you're busy. (laughs) So we've graced each other with our presence. Amazing. I love that. 
So tell us your story. I think, I mean, I've read it, I've been pitched it, you know, and I know it, but it is really, before you say it, I just want to say, I love your story because like so many very successful entrepreneurs, you built a business and a company out of a necessity for yourself and something that happened to yourself. And I often find that some of the most successful companies are built based on that notion. So tell us your story. Yes. And, you know, I want to say this, too. I think women do that. I think when when humans that have vaginas (laughs) create companies, I think that oftentimes we're creating it out of a need, um, you know, or, or trying to fill a white space. So I'm very grateful to be a part of that, you know, part of humanity. But yeah, I got started in feminine care in the vagina business because I had bacterial vaginosis for almost a year. Um, Literally, like nothing that I did, it went away. I went to the doctor. I took medicine. I lived, you know, I lived for the Google gods. I Googled. (laughs) And that is not the place that you need to go when your coochie is acting up. And so, (laughs) and so, but I did because I wanted relief and I was willing to do anything. And I was, and I was constantly living in, you know, Google forums and, you know, you what's the name of the, um, Cura, Q-U-O-R-A, Cura. Yeah. And, and Quora, I I mean, you should have just, it was crazy. And so. I just, I, I lived for this because it was what I was going through and it was terrible. I had, you know, I had a terrible odor, like 90% of the time I had a lot of discharge. I'm telling you the, the TMI part of it because it's important to know, um, because this is what a lot of humans go through on a daily basis, right? Monthly basis, depending on what happens with them. And with me, what it would do is it would go away and it would come back every single month. So I I would either take medicine or I would do some remedy that I found that was no good for my body. Or sometimes it was, you know, but it was never really a fix that stayed, you know. It was temporary. It's temporary. It was always temporary. And and the medicine that they give you isn't necessarily the best for your body, right? Um, Because it's not really built. It's not built to to continue to maintain. It's built to put on a Band-Aid. Right. And so, you know, one morning I had a very vivid dream, which I am a very, very, very vivid dreamer. This week I've been dreaming a lot. It's been very intense. But um, but, you know, I I had a super, super vivid dream or or vision, maybe I should say, with my grandmother. And we were just sitting down at a table talking and she hands me a piece of paper. And on the paper is a list of ingredients, you know? And she basically tells me that she had been walking with me and seeing me struggle and she knew how to fix it. And so she wanted to come and tell me how to fix it, right? Uh, Which is is cool, you know, I'm grateful. But, and I remember, because I've never met my grandmother, I remember wanting to talk to her, right? Not even that I necessarily knew that it was her. She just, I looked like her, right? Really a lot of the women in my family, I look like, you know, our genes are very strong. 
And so she's like, girl, like, I am not here for me and you to have a conversation. I'm here for what's on the paper. So you need to memorize this because I'm not going to be able to stay long, you know? And so she puts the paper in front of me and I just start repeating the ingredients over and over again. And, you know, it was simple. It was like lavender, rose, apple cider vinegar, vinegar, water, coconut oil, very simple ingredients. It felt like I repeated them a hundred times. And, um, and then I remember her telling me to wake up, you know? And so I woke up, but when I woke up, I was still in it. Like I woke up saying lavender, apple cider vinegar, rose, water. And so I wrote it down real quick because I didn't want to forget it. And, um, you know, and I went in the room and I told my mom and my mom was like, well, shit, all they can do is not work. Right. And so I went to work because I worked at Whole Foods at the time. I, you know, maybe over a couple of days and I compiled all the ingredients and I went home and I made myself a formula. Which making a formula is a lot like cooking. If you know how to, then you can make yourself skincare, you know? Um, And so I, I made myself this formula and then I started using it. And like for like four or five days, it's funny. I didn't have my normal behavior. Because normally what I would do is every time I go pee, which I still do, every time I would go pee, I would smell myself, right? Because I just got so trained to just make sure that everything was in order, right? And I knew that if my smell was off, because that's how it hits me, everybody gets hit with it differently. I knew that if my smell was off, it would be like, shit, I got BB again. You know what I mean? And so... But it's funny because like four or five days went by and I didn't do that. And then when I realized that I wasn't doing it, I did it. Because I had BV before, right before my grandmother came to me in the dream. I had bacterial vaginosis, right? And so I smelled myself and I was like, huh. And it smelled like nothing, right? Or like vagina, right? It didn't, it didn't smell, it didn't have a, it didn't, it wasn't odorous. You know, it wasn't, it didn't have a bad smell, you know? And so I was like, wow. So literally going pee, smelling myself, realizing that what I had going on prior to what my grandmother gave me, I was like, this is what I do now. And then that's what, that's how it got I mean, the whole thing is wild. Yeah. Wild. Right? Like, Like when you think about it, like... I have had people come to me in dreams also who have passed Mm -hmm. very, very different circumstances. Yeah. But like, this is like, you have built a giant business off of this notion that like your grandmother who is deceased, who you never met passed you in a dream. And I think that it's just, the story is amazing and what you've done with it even more so. And so you know, when, when you realized that this worked for you, how did you then take it to like the next level? Like, like what, what were the steps that you took that you were like, okay, like I need to get this out into the world to help people. Yeah. Um, the steps that I took, well, I should say that we took, cause it wasn't just me, you know, my brother was there and he, he was, um, you know, in the beginning, he he was my partner, but he was still doing his own business. So 
it wasn't like it was like a thing where he was my partner. He was just like my big bro, right? And um, and so, but in the beginning, literally all I would do would just I would make product and I would give it away because I wanted to make sure that it worked. Like you, I think that it's funny. It just occurred to me. I think the reason why I did that is because I came from the world of pharmaceuticals. And, you know, pharmaceuticals are scientifically proven, right? Even though they've got their own problems, but still, right? And I I used to want to go to school to be a doctor, um, you know, but then I, I worked in, you know, I worked in hospitals for like 10 years of my life in all different types. I worked in all different types of pharmacy. So I think that part of my life kind of um, unconsciously helped me to understand that science is important and data is important, even though it wasn't like data that's on a computer screen. It was just data of understanding, you know. And so I did not want to just put something out on the market that had only worked for me. It needed to, it needed to work for other people. You and needed to prove you had a viable product. Yeah. And when, and when you're dealing with vulvas and vaginas, it's a sensitive situation, right? Not everybody's is the same, right? pH levels are, are wherever they are, you know? And so, so we did that for like a year and a half. When was this? What year was this? It was 2000, 2011 to 2012 is when okay. I would suffer real bad with BV. Then from 2012, like late 2012 to like 2013, almost 2014 is when, you know, is, is for how long we gave it away. And then, you know, and then we launched at the Bronner Brothers Hair Show in Atlanta. That was like our big opening to the world. And, um, you know, and it's funny because when we went to that show, I like got down on my hands and knees to Simon, who's my co-founder, one of them. And, you know, and I was just like, if this does not work, I swear, I promise, I promise, I promise, I will never ask you to do anything ever again. Like, I will never bring honeypots up, up again. And, you know, and he did it because we we needed money in order to do that, right? And so we he found like $20,000 between him and his friend Troy, who's also my friend and like my big brother as well. And, you know, we 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 got the money and we bought labels and bottles and and caps and ingredients and we just made an assembly line and we just did it and we made like 600 bottles and we went to the Bronner Brothers hair show and literally um <laughs> we sold out of everything in a weekend so that's how we knew we had something so leading up to you know from the time of you giving away product to the time of going to the the show like how did you how did you get your co-founder, who are your co-founders? Like, what was that? You know, I know you said um, Simon had had uh, access to capital, but like, what was that process? Because I think that, I think that often founders, you know, that is, that is like a sticky situation. Like it's hard to, to go at something alone. And I think it's a lot easier when you do find the right person and you find a co-founder. And I think that that process can be really hard, especially if you are the one that has the idea. So I'd love to kind of explore that a little bit and like 
what took place to get you to that moment where you could go to this show? I think he was the person that I went to for advice. He was the person that I went to because I didn't have any money, right? Like I, like I literally, I literally had a job that paid me maybe $13 an hour at Whole Foods, right? And then I would clean houses and then I would organize people's closet and I was, I was an artist model. So I would go and pose nude so people could like paint me or sculpt me or whatever. And so I was just doing all these hustles just to survive, <laughs> like baseline, right? And, um, you know, and, and, and Simon is my chosen brother. And so, you know, we, we met and he was just, we just became like instant best friends, you know, and he was just always there for me. He always, he, you know, I respected how he worked. He respected how I worked. You know, he had a, a a really a bit. It was a what seemed like a very big accountant business, right? And so he understood money. He understood business. He understood. Um, you know, I remember him having just listening to him through osmosis how he would talk about how you know it's really important to understand where you're going, what you're doing, saving for the future because you're going to be 65 one day. You know, and so he he was just this this super dope, amazing human. And he, he is super, super, super smart, right? He's brilliant. And so we would always just go back and forth and bounce back and forth, you know, and he was just always there to support me. You know what I mean? Whether it was when I had a cleaning business and he was like, sure, you can come clean my house or, you know what I mean? Or like starting this company and, you know, being like, yo, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do this, but like, you know, can you tell me what to do? Like, what's the first thing to do? Like, I had no clue. He really taught me how to be a business person in a lot of ways, you know? Um, you know, and he had like a $500 uh, ca- credit card from Capital One a month. It was, I had like a $500 limit on it. And he just gave me the card. And he was like, you can just use this and I'll pay it off every month. And so like, he was the one who was like, figure it out. Right. Like I'm I'm doing what I have to do over here, but go figure out what you're doing. You know, I think it's so amazing. Also, what you just said about how leading up to this show, you like went out and bought packaging and you made the you made it all. I mean, you did this, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put it on the map at this show. So you go to this show and it sells out. Everything sells out. What happens after? So, yeah, everything sells out. And it wasn't just me there. I mean, it was it was a whole crew of us there, you know, had a whole crew that helped. Um, so it, I, it, I never will say that it's just me. I, I am the brains behind um, that part of the business. Simon was the brains behind the financing. You know, Linda at the time, she... She's our other co-founder. She was the brains behind, you know, Instagram and marketing at that time, right? Um, actually, we hadn't met Linda yet at Bronner's, but I actually, I think we did meet her at Bronner's and then we saw her again at a natural hair show. That's our other co-founder, um, you know? And then we, we Bronner Brothers was successful. Uh, we went to our next hair show, which was the natural hair show. 
you know, we actually got to talk to Linda. That's how we met her. She was like, yo, I just want to be down for the cause. Like, just tell me whatever I have to do because she was using it because obviously she needed it. Right. And so we were like, yo, we need somebody that can do marketing because I don't know how to like I know how to do marketing from this from from this type of a standpoint. Right. I know how to formulate a product. I know how to innovate it. I know how to bring it to market, but like, I don't know how to run an Instagram or a Facebook or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know how to think high and strategically, but, um, you know, and then Simon knew about money and he knew about budgeting. He knew, he knew how to deal with that. And so he was our CFO. I was the CEO, the innovator operations, all that. So he was finance. I was ops. She was marketing. And then we had Antoine who's still with us to this day. Um, you know, but but there were so many people along the way. Justin, um, you know, Suad. Uh, I mean, there there was just so many people along the way. Anthony, you know, there was there was so many people, right? And um, so I just wanted to make sure that I said that. Okay. You know, um, but from there, like after the Bronner Brothers Hair Show, when things were successful, we just kept doing shows because. We found that we would always be the only feminine care brand in the room, A, um, and that made us stand out, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, very and, smart. And then, and then you pay a few thousand dollars, you know, you have to, it costs, there's a setup cost in order to do a show, but you get to meet with thousands of people in a weekend, which is concentrated, right? So it was a good marketing tactic to build up email lists, to, um, to, to sell people product, to get them engaged with our website, because we didn't have money to be a direct-to-consumer business. November is here, and by far, it is my most favorite month of the year. That goes without saying. I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday on the calendar, mostly because I get to go home to Michigan, to my town outside of Detroit and get to spend time with my family and friends. And anyone who's from Detroit knows there's nothing like Thanksgiving in D-Town. It's also my birthday later this month. And that's obviously so much fun too. But more than anything, you know, November always serves as a reminder to me for all that I'm thankful for. And it's really something that I think about all year long and especially in November Honest to God, all of you guys rank right up there at the top of this list. I never in my wildest dreams would have expected Dear Found Her to take off the way that it did when I started planning it over a year ago. And it's because of all of you here listening every single week to both episodes that we continue to grow leaps and bounds. And honestly, I, I'm blown away by the response, by the DMs, by the emails, by the conversation. So thank you so much. I've been trying to think about a way that I can express my gratitude and thanks for making the first year of Dear Founder as incredible as you guys have. So from now until November 24th, I'm going to give you guys free access to your choice of one of my digital products to learn my best tips and tricks for building a monetizing community, or you can treat yourself to a coffee at Starbucks on me. Really simple. To redeem your free gift, all you have to do is rate or review Dear Founder on Apple Podcasts and submit a screenshot at lindsaypinchuk.com forward slash thank you by November 24th. I will also link it below in the show notes so that you have no trouble finding that link. It's not a raffle. 
Anyone who submits the form by November 24th will get their choice of a free gift. So thank you again so much for supporting me, for supporting the show. I cannot wait for what is to come. Have a great November and a very happy Thanksgiving. I am a very big believer in, and people who are listening who are here often know this and probably know what I'm about to say right now, but I am a very big believer in grassroots marketing and partnerships. And that is how I built my first company. And you can build a company without having a marketing budget. You can. Because there are marketing tactics and strategies that cost nothing. And the number one marketing strategy and tactic that costs nothing is building a community. And that's what you did. And that's what we did. And I'm very grateful that we did it. Now, if you would have asked me that at the time, um, you know, it was hard for me because I was seeing a lot of our competitors raising like absurd amounts of money, you know, what seemed like absurd amounts of money. Um, You know, but but hindsight's always 2020, right? You know, the thing that worked out for us is that we had to learn how to build a real business. We had to learn how to ha- be guerrilla marketers. We had yeah. to learn how to go out and 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 live on the road and <laughs> rent U-Hauls and drive to DC and drive to New York and drive, you know, and to so that we could do what we had to do. You, you know, scrappy, nobody, you bootstrapped. Yeah, nobody was gonna do that shit for us. So we had to get out there and do it, but it taught us how to run our business. And like you just said, it gave us a real connection to the humans that we serve, you know? And it doesn't matter how much money someone raises. If there is no connection, especially, especially with a product like this, come on. Like, this is not like you're going to get a snack off the shelf. Like, this is like you're putting it in your most intimate areas. Like, if you do not have a connection, no money in the world can make up for that. But sister, as a new founder, you don't understand that no, shit. Of course not. As a new yeah. founder, you're looking at everyone around you and you're like, shit, yeah. I'm right. not raising the money. And like everyone else is ahead of me. I would bet there's a lot of those people who were ahead of you that aren't even around anymore. Right? Yeah, there are. And I remember always saying to side, side, we need to raise, side, we need to raise. And he was like, he was always like, we don't need to raise. We don't have anything to raise for and he was absolutely right, right? Until Target came, which was like 2016. Target. So that was going to be my next question. So you're doing all these shows, you're building up community, you have a lot of word of mouth marketing. People love your yep. product. Yeah. They're coming yep. back for your product. So what was the big break? So we so between between from from where we started, between between like 2014, 2016, we were, we had a, we had a website, we had our own brand, like branding that we just got made, right? It wasn't anything fancy, but it was, it was what we had, right? Um, We had, we had some stores that we got into because I went from working at Whole Foods to work to being a broker, a natural foods broker. So I would visit like three stores a day. So I would literally like walk into the store, sell the brands that I represented. And then I would walk out and then sell, go back in to sell them honey pot. That's amazing. So, so like we did that. And then, um, you know, and then we were still making the product in the kitchen and all the things. And then 2016, we got an email in our support inbox from Monique Benoit at Target. 
and she had said she had went to get her hair done and her hairdresser had told her about Honeypot, which is interesting because guess where we met her hairdresser at? At the hair One show. Of- yep. And so, um, you know, so she had went to get her hair done. Her and her hairdresser were talking about her new job and her hairdresser was like, oh, you should look at Honeypot, right? And then she looked us up. She sent an email and literally like, literally, you can't, I couldn't believe it because I I worked in this world. So I knew that that wasn't a thing that happens all the time. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Yeah. And I know what you're saying more than you know, more yeah. than I, and I'm going to share with you right now. I, I mean, I didn't have a product-based business. I just service-based business. And we got an email like that too from Ann yeah. Wessing at Target in the baby yeah. department. Yeah. And Ann Wessing was doing a project because everyone who works at Target has a side project. They all, they all have side projects within the organization. And she reached out to us and she said, we need to build community around our baby registry services. Can you help? And when that happened, Bump Club in 2013 started working with Target. And at first it was regional, Minneapolis and Chicago. And then it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And it ended up being a seven-figure deal by the time I left in 2021. And that was that partnership is what sold my company. And so I do, I know exactly what you're talking about. And just like you will never forget Monique, I will never forget Anne because she changed my life. Changed changed our life, changed my life. Um, You know, and so we pitched her. That thing took like a year, right? Um, Because it was going to go one way. But then she was like, I really feel like we should spend some more time and get this how we want it. And we needed to do that anyway, because we were literally raising money to pay for invoices. Yeah. Like, Like, it was like... It was so many times where like so much shit almost didn't happen because we didn't have the money. Because because you had to all of a sudden scale your business to meet the orders of Target. And so you had to pay the suppliers that you were ordering from. So we had to pay the suppliers. We had to pay for our branding because we we rebranded. We had to pay for research and development on new products because we when we got into Target, we got four products into eleven hundred stores, which is huge, Amazing. huge, huge. And um, you know, and then before Target, we were making everything, like we made everything in our kitchen, right? And then we and then we went to like we went to a company, you know, there was Box Naturals that we got our whites from, there was Lamo that we got our pads from, right? And so we. <laughs> We were, we, we didn't have all these other products. We were just wholesaling other products, but that's how we learned how, what we needed to create as a brand. And so when we got into Target, literally we went and got prototypes made of pads, prototypes made of wipes. And then all we made was our washes. So when we actually got the opportunity to go and sit down with Target, we put in front of her a real brand, right? We took the person that was Whitney, who from Ampersand, who, um, who, uh, who was doing the branding. She's a branding agency, and um, you know, and and like I said, we worked on that deal for almost a year. And once we found out that we were actually going to get the business, then it was like hammer time for real, you know. And so, Sai and I just got out and and did family and friends round. 
He's an, he, at that time, had an accountant business, so he had access to high net worth individuals. He worked in the music industry, so he had, you know, and so we raised the money literally, like, month to month, hand to mouth, right? It was crazy. And then we got into Target in 2017. I want to say, like, March, April. And so after you got into Target, let's talk about where you are now. Tell us how many stores you're in. We're in every door of Target. Um, full transparency, I don't know how many doors we are in, but That's we are okay. in. We're in Target, Walmart, Walgreens, um, <clears throat> CVS, um, Whole Foods, but only with our wipes. Um, You're in, in some Kroger too, aren't you? Yeah, we're in Kroger. I just don't know the exact door count, you know, which is which maybe. <laughs> Most people, but uh, you know what? That's okay. My I, whole point in asking you this is like, yeah. I want to share with our listeners. This was not like a one hit thing. It's not like Target came a knocking. Um, you went into Target. It's like you went into Target and the doors blew wide open. They did, but that took time. Of course, it did. You know, I, I it's very important that people understand that going into retail takes time. We were in Target from 2017 to, two, to 2018. 2018 is when we were able to get into Walmart, right? Then we, then, you know, but a lot of these retailers don't want to be the first. So you well, really- and that's, you just need the one though to prove exactly. that you can sell. And then also like when you start selling your product in Target, a customer then will walk into other stores and say, do you carry? Why don't you carry? You know, that kind of thing. And so that helps also, but you really just need the one retailer to take their chance on you, right? You need the one retailer to take their chance on you. And you need to get your dollars per store and units per store per week up to a place that is, um, that's exciting for another retailer to want to get involved, right? And it takes time to get your units per store per week up, right? So like in the beginning, are you? this is a founder podcast. So I think it's really important to, to help people understand this. In the beginning, like when you first, you very, very first get into a retailer, like I think our units per store per week used to be like, 1.25 units per week per store. That is what Target needed us to have in order for that to be a success for them. That doesn't mean you're setting the world on fire, but but it's but but you're doing enough that you're going to be able to maintain your shelf space and pay for the investment that they had to put in in order for you to be there, right? And so so what what makes another retailer warm and fuzzy inside is when they're seeing that one that 1.25 units per store per week go to like three units per store per week, right? Because that shows them that if you could do that there, then you very likely could do that with us, you know? And so it's 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 the customer that's going in the store. It's you, it's you being able to have the right data that shows that you are a product that needs to be on the shelf because, because it's resonating with the customer. It's being able to show that you have a, you know, getting, getting into a Target and then going straight to a Walmart or vice versa. 
Walmart probably wants to see how you did or whatever other retailer you're talking to wants to see how you did. And a year's worth of business in a mass market retailer isn't really telling the story of how you did, right? And so it's always my advice to um, to take some time with the partner that you first get into, whomever it is, if it's Sephora, if it's Target, if it's Walmart, and just understand what that means for a couple of years before you go off to the next thing. And then use whoever that first retailer was to be your innovation partner, right? You can always put something out there first and then put it out to the market everywhere else. And because they had a, a head start, you know, whatever you got the head start with, um, whatever products you got the head start with, with that initial retailer is going to be new to everybody else. So you just use that as a hustle and a way to leverage, right? And, and different retailers have different, um, have different views of what innovation means, right? Some of them want the hottest, newest thing. Some of them want the best price. Some of them want co- commercial packs, which are like bigger packs, right? Right. So, and so, it, you know, some of them want value. It just depends on who it is. And, you, and, and in order to get the knack for how that works, you really don't want to force it. And you don't want to, you, you know, like retail isn't going anywhere. Right. So like understand your business and understand what you're doing, which you're not going to fucking understand, by the way, because nobody understands, right? You know, because in the beginning, you're not going to be able to hire the COO that you need, right? That's going to under- figure it out because you can't afford them. Right. And and you have to, you're going to have to figure it out. You're just going to have to figure it out. Right. And you're never going to figure it out to the level that they can figure it out. You're just not going to. Right. You find some duct tape and some fucking glue and some chewing gum and you're going to hold things together. Right. But the, but the idea is for you to be able to hold it together long enough so that you can transition that to the team that can take it to the next level. Thank you for saying that and for being so honest about that, because I do think there are so many people listening who need to hear that, that it doesn't happen overnight. Things are not an overnight success. Um, And I, and I really appreciate when founders like yourself admit to that and, you know, and are not trying to like be all sugarcoating smoking mirrors. So thank you. You, one of the things that I want to ask you about is, you know, you started your business with this community and you know, really in this grassroots space in order to build up the demand for your product. How did you continue to grow and leverage that as you grew into, you know, 1100 target stores? That's a lot of store to push people to. So how did you continue to be able to push people into those stores through the marketing and through the grassroots and through everything that you were doing? We just continue to do shows where we could we continue to um, to talk to our to our base through social. Um, serving the humans that we serve has always been at the base of our. It's the foundation. It's like it's like the dirt that the concrete is poured on. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like to say that it's the foundation isn't even the right thing. It's the thing that supports the foundation. I think. Because that is where we come from, from our heart, soul, mind, body, and everything. I think that um, I think that that makes for you to be able to stay 
connected to your customer because it's coming from a real place. It never came from, uh, we, these are just consumers. In fact, I hate that word, right? It, ne- it never came from, it's always come from this very devoted, loyal, want to be in a relationship place because we are in a relationship with our customers, you know? Well, and one of the things that I I, w- I also want to ask you is, I mean, you have built a business off of a subject that people don't like talking about. Maybe it's considered a little taboo. I mean, to talk about your vagina, you know, I mean, it's not people don't just go around talking about that, but you've built this business and you've made it so that people don't have to feel weird talking about it. Did you ever imagine that this is what you would be doing? I mean, it's really remarkable. Yes, it is what I've always imagined. That's, that is amazing. It's what I've always imagined. It's what I've always known. Um, you know, this is what intention was to be. When did you know? I've always known. Like since you were little, you knew you were going to do something to help someone or this? No, ever since that moment going pee on the toilet, I've always known. That you were going to take this and run with it? Yes. That is amazing. Yeah. That I've, and I've, that, I've, that speaks, though, to you and to your knack and ability to want to help people. Because you were in this, like, deep, dark place, right? Where, like, you were so uncomfortable and you found a solution and you wanted to spread that anywhere and everywhere so that others wouldn't have to go through what you were experiencing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, it's so funny that we live in a time that we've always frankly lived in a time and in, in my, in my, in my lifetime and yours and our mothers and our grandmothers and their mothers and mothers and mothers. Right that discussion about a vagina is taboo. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's changing? I, I think, I do think it's changing. I do too. And I, and I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are bubbling up right now, you know, um, when you look when you look at what's happening around the world right when you look at um what's happening in iran when you look at what's happening in unfortunately the the war that's happening when you look at um when you when you look at um what the government's doing with with roe versus wade right when you see all these kinds of things bubbling up and you see people willing to die I mean, those women are, they are willing to die for their rights, right? Yeah. Um, when you see little girls being, being, being stoned to death because they were just being 16 and 17 year old girls, which is very natural, right? When you see um, that, a, that, a, that a doctor can go to prison because of giving somebody an abortion for whatever the reason was that that human needed the abortion for. Even though that stuff is sick and disgusting. But people are talking about it more. 
people are talking about it and people are not okay with it. And, and, and so those kinds of things, those big, massive things that are happening right now, even though they're terrible and, 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 um, nobody wants to go through that, but it's beautiful to see the revolutions that are happening right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So I have two more questions for you. Okay. The first one, I, like I, I could talk to you all day. I really have like a hundred <laughs> questions for you, but I'm going to keep, keep our time and, and I'm going to ask you my last two questions. So this is more of a statement, but you, but I want you, you can respond to it. I mean, you said at the top of our conversation that like you knew how to like, you were talking about your, so your like marketing person. And you said, you know, I know how to create a product and I knew how to think big and, and whatnot. And yes, you did. But did you really going into this? Like you taught yourself how to do this. You, this was not something that you just knew how to do. You taught yourself to do this. And this was all you. And that is remarkable. Thank you. I mean, truly like, most people cannot formulate anything. Like I can barely cook. So like the <laughs> fact that like, you know, I mean, I make the same five things for my kids every week. They're like, really meatballs again? You know, I mean, but you created a product like in your kitchen that is like, I mean, you have close to half a million people following you on Instagram alone. So like, Thank you. I, it's, it's just funny because you taught yourself. And I, and I, and I want you to realize that that is just as big as where you've gotten today. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You know, I think, I think that, um, I'm so dedicated to the mission that like, I, I had to teach myself. I have to teach myself and I have to learn and I have to pay attention and I have to fail and I have to learn from my team and I have to let them teach me and I have to, we, and we're teaching each other. And, and, and even bigger than that, our customers are teaching us what they want. Right. Um, you know, and so it's not that I don't think about it. I, I just, I, well, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity and I really just want to do this well. I really just want humans to be freed up. I really want humans to have vaginas to understand 
that they are the one of the most important parts of this world. Seriously. I agree we with you. are literally the fucking mothers of civilization. Right. I, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I have this podcast. That's why I do everything I do for women. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and we can get into the race stuff and all the things and we can talk about all of that, but like, still we are fighting for our lives and still it is still, even though it's getting better, it is still a taboo thing to talk about a vagina and to talk about, right? Like it, these are still tap, look at all the, like we talked about earlier, all the things that are happening in the world. And so what you and I do is extremely important. It's, it's a responsibility. I was born to do this. You were born to do this. Right. So like, I don't take it lightly. I, you know, I I feel like I'm a warrior and like, like my fucking job is to, is to do what we're doing. So for me, I'm grateful to hear you say that. And I chose this shit and this is what I was born to do. So like, I have to honor the responsibility and and it is my honor and my pleasure to serve these humans and to, um, and to be able to be here having this conversation with you. And that's clear. It's very clear. Like it, it comes across in everything that you have said today. Um, I do want to wrap up with the last question that I ask everyone. And that is, what are three tips that you would give another founder who's just getting started or who maybe is hitting some bumps in the road? Bumps in the road are normal. Um, but you have to you know, one thing I would say is you have to be steadfast. Um, you, it's hard because now the, con- I mean, when me and you were coming up, nobody was talking about burnout, right? Like, <laughs> no, it wasn't a conversation. And so we weren't even thinking about it because we just had to do what we had to fucking do. Right. Sure. We were probably burnt out. Sure, me and you might be burnt out in this moment, but that doesn't matter. It's like a mother is burnt out, but that baby still got to fucking eat. Uh huh. Have a roof. It like they 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 they. It requires you, right? And so I don't want to say to you, don't honor your burnout. I don't want to say that because if that's a thing, then that's a real thing. But understand that you got to figure it out. You got to deal with your shit. Take a break, but that break has to be useful, right? That's you got to advice. You got to make that shit count because you got to get back to it, and it's gonna be just as hard when you get back to it. So understanding what got you to that place is very, very, very pivotal, so that you can understand because it's gonna happen again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the more the more you make, the harder it gets. It, it's just the way that it is, right? The more, the bigger your team gets, you may think it's going to be easier, but it's not, right? And so you have to know that everything's going to be okay. And you have to be the one who believes it when nobody else does. And it has, and, and in my opinion, it has to be unshakable. And if you find yourself in a position where you're asking yourself, should you be doing this? If you find yourself asking yourself all the time, all the time, all the time, 
it may be time for you to figure out some other shit to do. Because if you're asking yourself that, then, then that is communicating through everything that you're doing. Everything, shout out to Mr. fucking Cummings that taught me this. Everything communicates. Everything does. Everything. Everything. How you walk, how you talk, how you eat, how you serve your people that you serve, how you, how you, how you treat your people, how you treat yourself. How you treat yourself is probably how you treat everybody else. Right? So, like, understand that. Do shit from a real place. Don't, don't, don't try to cover some shit up. Don't try to put paint where it ain't. Don't try to sugarcoat. Don't do that. If it's not real, it's okay. Make sure that it's real because I believe when things are real um, and when they're coming from a real place and when you're truly devoted to it and you want to make it work, that doesn't mean it's going to work. But it gives you the freedom to be able to see um, how you need to move. Right. And if you do need to make a change or whatever the thing is, but your devotion to yourself, your devotion to your business, it has to be. um, It has to be real and it's going to be a hard road. And, um, you know, but you you just have to stay focused. And then the last thing that I'll say is. um, Take care of yourself and take care of your mind and, um, and get, get very granular with who you keep around you. If you've got people around you who are constantly negative and con- that shit's going to rub off on you. So I'm not saying don't be their friend, but understand that like the company you keep when you're trying to do, when you're trying to get a business off the ground is extremely important. Everything you do is important, in fact. How you think about yourself is important. If you're looking in the mirror and saying, giving yourself energy of you not liking yourself or whatever the thing is, or if you're around people that are negative, if you're negative, if you're with a partner that you don't really love, right? If you, um, whatever it is, pay attention to that. So you can, so you can make a change and it's going to be hard. Those changes are the, are really, are really, really hard changes to make, but they are the most, some of the most important things that you can do. Um, Actually two more things. So clean, clean up your life and get very aware on that. When you raise money, take a little money out for yourself. Um, and pay off all your debt. Beatrice Dixon, founder of The Honeypot Company. Thank you so much. I, you are a gem and the world is lucky to have you and there needs to be more people like you. So please keep spreading your positivity everywhere. I feel like I, this was like very cathartic for me listening to you talk today. So thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate being here. In full transparency, I was a little nervous getting on today's conversation to talk about products that are so personal in nature. Honestly, I was blown away by my conversation with Beatrice and 
I connected with her on a level that was just like none other. I am enamored by what she's built and how passionate she is about the products that she puts out into the world and not just the products, but I am enamored by how passionate she is about how the products help the people that use them in the world. And it's really amazing what she's built and what she's built so naturally. I loved today's conversation. I hope that you did too. And I really loved hearing the origins of her brand and her story and where she plans to go. There were so many key takeaways from today's conversation. And as always, I will be sending them out to my email list. So you're going to want to make sure you subscribe through the link in the show notes, because when you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, grassroots marketing and partnerships is how you can build a product-based company. The only cost essentially is your product. Number two, If there is no connection with your community, you will not have transactions. Number three, take time with your first retail partner and understand what it means for at least a couple of years, your numbers, your sales, all of the insights that you can gather before you take it to another partner. Use that first retailer to be your innovation partner for the long haul. Number four, serving the humans that you serve is the foundation of your business. When you come from your heart and your soul, everything that you do makes sense for you to be able to stay connected to your customer because it's coming from a real place. And number five, deal with your shit, take a break when you need one, but make that shit count. Make that break useful. I want to thank you so much for being here and thank you so much to Beatrice Dixon for taking the time to share her story with all of us. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please feel free to drop us a rating or review and stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.